This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. This episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles, a company with a punny name but a seriously sustainable mission to make better bedding for everyone. Sheets and Giggles bedding consists of sustainably made 400 thread count eucalyptus sheets that are static-free, moisture-wicking, use no insecticides or pesticides, and are half the cost of their store-bought competition. Good Together listeners get 15% off at checkout by using the code BRIGHTLY at SheetsGiggles. If you're into interior design like me, it can be so tempting to get trendy pieces for your home that you're then stuck with later once they go out of style. A more sustainable option is one you might not have thought about before, renting your furniture. We got the chance to try out Oliver's furniture rental service, and I'm seriously impressed with the gorgeous terrazzo coffee table that's now sitting in my den. I get to have a trendy piece and not feel guilty about sending it to a new home once I'm done with it. Oliver makes sure your pieces are new when they come to you by using extremely high refurbishment standards and sanitization. And at the end of the road, all Oliver pieces go to their donation partner, Habitat for Humanity. Check out oliver.space to browse all of their sustainable and chic options and use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off your order. Have you been dreaming of a clean, sustainable, and naturally organized home? I certainly have, as I've definitely faced more time than ever at my home, thanks to the COVID-19 crisis. I know we say that a lot on the Good Together podcast, but it's definitely true. We're all now faced with more time than ever to be mindful and honestly, to start getting more organized. On this episode of Good Together, Kate Scholhoff, author of the sustainable cleaning blog, A Clean Bee, shares her best cleaning and organizing tricks from how to make your own cleaning solutions to finding the best use for your old cleaning tools, Kate has loads of actionable tips for listeners that she shares with Lisa. For show notes and more, go to brightly.eco slash podcast. Well, hello, Kate. How are you? 
Hi, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Great. I'm so glad to have you with us. Uh, today's topic is something I'm uh, pretty uh, new to, <laughs> cleaning uh, cleaning your house in the most sustainable and eco-friendly way possible. So the topic is easy and sustainable ways to create simple cleaning tools for your home. And Kate is the perfect guest to tell you all things and all the tips on that. So uh, Kate is the founder of a cleanbee.com a blog and educational hub for all things clean and green home. Kate believes that a clean, organized, and sustainable home environment is an essential component of a low-stress lifestyle. But maintaining a clean home doesn't have to be a part-time job. Okay, can I get an amen for that? <laughs> I would love, I would love to run all of your tips, Kate. But um, you know, why don't I just give you? Um, spotlight and why don't and just let you introduce yourself and tell us all about kind of uh and just kind of how did you get um into blogging into cleaning and what kind of inspired you to start on this journey sure yeah so uh thank you for that intro first of all uh clean bee it really started around five years ago as a blog it was on the side as a hobby at the time when my husband and I were living in San Francisco before we had any kids. At the time, I had actually just learned about Bea Johnson. She's the author of the book Zero Waste Home, one mm. that I highly recommend mm -hmm. uh, to anyone interested in learning about sustainability at home. And her work as a whole had inspired me in a number of ways. She has her book, which encouraged me to examine the types of waste that we were consuming in all areas of our home. Plus, I would say her minimalist home aesthetic was both beautiful and aspirational. And I am a person who is very deeply impacted by my surroundings. And I wanted my home to always feel like a low stress, clean, zen, welcoming environment for my family and guests mm -hmm. to enjoy. So with that in mind, I began on a quest of sorts to minimize our family's waste, minimize clutter and really examine the materials and ingredients that were used in any products that I chose to purchase for our home going forward. And of course, this spanned a number of home categories, but not least of which being cleaning tools, cleaning supplies, and cleaning ingredients, which sort of brings us back to a clean bee. So my goal when starting the website initially was to teach others how to clean uh, or create a clean home using products, tools, and ingredients that are better for you and for the environment. And at the same time, I wanted to teach effective systems for maintaining a clean home without adding a ton of stress or taking up a ton of time. Uh, I mentioned that this started before we had kids. Now I have a two-year-old and a second son on the way very soon. Mm -hmm. And so time is a luxury that... Um, we don't have, and I think many people can relate to that with or without children. So Absolutely. effective systems are important when it comes to getting the job done and then enjoying your space. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't agree more. And uh, I, I hope my husband will be very happy with this episode. I'm, I'm hoping to learn a lot from it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when great. we say a clean and sustainable home, uh, you know, sustainability is such a um, loaded term. So what does it mean for you personally, Kate? Good question. And I couldn't agree with you more. It means a lot of things to yeah. a lot of people, it seems. Uh Okay, so a home can be clean, as in tidy, organized, appropriately washed and sanitized, and that 
doesn't necessarily mean that it's also environmentally friendly or environmentally sustainable. So there are plenty of folks at one point in time, myself included, who enjoy purchasing commercial cleaning supplies sold in plastic packaging that contain sometimes unnecessarily harsh ingredients alongside the plastic-based cleaning tools that are not easily recycled and often will ultimately end up in a landfill. So that would be a clean and maybe not sustainable home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, a clean and sustainable home, the way I look at it, would be one that is, again, it's tidy, organized, and clean, but uses tools and ingredients that are maybe gentler on the planet. So for instance, opting for wooden brooms and mops instead of plastic versions, or selecting scrub brushes with wooden handles and compostable sponges made from renewable sources. So this might also mean buying gentler cleaning ingredients in bulk and refilling glass or stainless steel spray bottles instead of buying commercial cleaners packaged in plastic spray bottles. Uh, With all of that said, I do want to include a caveat here that I am not perfect in either of these categories 100% of the time, nor would I expect anyone else to be. The goal is always for us to educate ourselves, always strive to do better, and then forgive ourselves when we sometimes miss the mark a little bit. Absolutely. That's, uh, we always say it brightly, planet over perfection. We recognize that being, you know, a sustainable and conscious consumer, it's almost impossible. Um, so we're always striving for perfection, but we always recognize the reality um, of kind of our lifestyles, of the systems that we're currently living in. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, so what cleaning products are the biggest offenders in terms of the environment and toxicity? I know it's kind of a slightly different questions, but uh, please feel free to share um, any and all of your kind of the list of biggest offenders, uh, as I call it. Sure. sure. A lot of people have this question because I think it's um, it helps people to kind of compartmentalize certain products into a category of good or bad. Um, before even answering the question though, I should mention that I'm not a chemist, so Mm -hmm. therefore I'm not a toxicity specialist, but I am a person who likes to research and one resource I would in, you know, tandem with the answer of this question that I would recommend to others is the EWG or environmental working group website. Mm -hmm. Great. I believe it's EWG.org. Mm-hmm has a fantastic uh, selection of consumer guides, a great search engine that allows you to search for specific brands and products that you might currently be using. And you can learn about whether or not they include toxins that might be dangerous to your health or to the environment. So I would recommend that as an additional resource to the answer of this question. But getting back to it, cleaning products that are big offenders, most generally in terms of toxicity, there are a few that I would included in this list. Uh, One would be oven cleaners, fabric softeners, air fresheners, and drain cleaners. And there are probably more that I'm not mentioning here, but these four products I like to mention because the commercial versions of these almost always include very harsh ingredients and rank pretty high for toxicity. Plus, there are such simple, effective, and arguably safer alternatives that can be used Mm -hmm. in place of each and every one of these cleaning products. So you really don't need them to clean your home. That's awesome. That's a great start. So uh, yeah, why don't we talk about the, you know, the DIY, more eco-friendly alternatives to like oven cleaner, fabric softener, air freshener, and drain cleaner, right? Uh, We can start whatever product you prefer. 
I'll, I'll just go and order them. Yeah. So if we are looking at oven cleaner, the reason that oven cleaners exist and why they can be popular is because they remove a lot of the elbow grease when it comes to cleaning a really, really dirty oven. Mm -hmm. But, and so, you know, there's that give and take there. Sometimes when you're using more natural ingredients, a little bit extra elbow grease is required to get the job done. Doesn't mean that it won't get the job done Mm -hmm. though. So when it comes to oven cleaners, if you have a self-cleaning function on your oven, use it. I recommend using it twice a year. If you cook a lot, then maybe four times a year with this change of each season. My recommendation is always once in the fall, once in the spring, because you're going to want to keep all of your windows open Mm -hmm. to air out your kitchen as you're using it. And those two seasons tend to be cool enough to where a breeze is nice, but not so warm where it's uncomfortable to keep your windows open. Um, Then on top of that, if your oven is really, really dirty, you can do a pretty good job cleaning it with ingredients like baking soda, dish soap, vinegar, and water, and, you know, a gentle scrubbing brush or um, a really light hand with some steel wool. So what I would recommend doing is creating a paste with baking soda and dish soap Mm -hmm. and applying that to the interior of your oven, allowing it to dry completely. And then using that steel wool or gentle scrub brush to then scrub any extra debris off of the surface of your oven. Wipe that away with water. You might have to repeat it a couple of times. And then at the very end, you can shine it all clean with a diluted vinegar cleaning solution. So I like using one part distilled white vinegar to one part water Mm -hmm. in a spray bottle. You can, of course, choose to add essential oils to make it smell a little bit nicer. But that will, for the most part, on most ovens, get the job done. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm guessing you have kind of all of these DIY recipes on your website too, right? Absolutely. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I should be taking notes or this is overwhelming. (laughs) Yes. A cleanbee.com. All you have to do is search oven for that example. And there's a whole post that gives you step-by-steps with the exact ingredients and proportions and everything that you would need to get the job done. Yeah. And anything uh, we say here, we will also have full show notes for you guys too, with the link to a clean bee too. So um, yeah, no worries. I know you you might be driving, you might be running, uh, no need to take notes right now. So maybe let's do one more product. I'm very curious about air freshener, how to create an air freshener, like DIY alternative. Pretty easy. Uh, I'll give you one recipe and there Mm -hmm. are a lot that you can experiment Mm. with, but my recommendation is get an eight ounce size spray bottle, or it can be bigger, but if you're using an eight ounce spray bottle, add about a tablespoon of alcohol. Um, And that could be rubbing alcohol or even just a tablespoon of vodka if you have that in your house. And then 25 or so drops of your favorite essential oil. And you can get creative with that. You can mix up a couple of essential oils and add that to a spray bottle and you can spray it around your room, spray it on linens. It's really nice if you use, for instance, lavender and you spray that on your bed linens before you go to bed at night. Um, Really easy and there aren't any ingredients that you need to be afraid of in that recipe. That's awesome. And it's so simple. Like I think every other episode that we do it uh, good together, you know, we keep going, um, keep saying the same thing. Oh, I bet my grandmother used to do that. And it's just, um, yeah, it's so weird to think about that. We have to kind of 
switch our thinking back to the olden ways, right? And um, okay. and at the same time, realize how quickly uh, we just kind of have been almost like brainwashed into this need to buy all of these products, to be completely surrounded by plastic. You know, we, uh, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of Plastic Free July Challenge that our community is participating in. Um, and some of the previous episodes that will launch before Kate's episode, you know, we're talking about the plastic pollution specifically. And again, it's just like all of the systems and all of these problems, they came to be in the last, I don't know, 30, 50 years. Uh, and we just have to kind of reprogram ourselves uh, to very simple solutions. If, you know, even I myself, you know, I'm like, how, you know, DIY freshener. It's really that simple. It's, uh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, it's a great point and goes to show how powerful marketing can be. Yes. Um. As a marketer, <laughs> as a marketer. <laughs> In know. either direction, I would say. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Certainly. Good or bad, exactly. Certainly. Well, yeah, let's talk about um, more DIY products. Um, um, so since we're talking specifically about having a clean house, um, where, like, especially DIY newbie like me, I'm always kind of scared, uh, even of the most simple recipes, um, uh, where would we get started with DIY cleaning products? The way I recommend that folks get started is by first getting their toolbox in place. And what I mean by that is making sure that you have, of course, the right cleaning tools that you need, as well as ingredients that you might need. And then from there, it's really easy to put together quick and simple recipes, kind of like the one that we just talked about, and get started with a cleaning routine. So that's sort of like the order that I recommend people going through. And I can give some specific examples, but also, if you're okay with it, I did create a PDF guide that I think might be of value to your listeners. We just talked a little bit mm -hmm. about how if you're listening on the run or something like that, uh, a resource like this could be helpful as um, once you finish listening. It's a free list of the exact tools and ingredients that I use to mm -hmm. clean my entire home and the tools listed in the document. Are, of course, you can purchase them new, but I also include suggestions for ways to create them by repurposing items in your home already for free. Yeah. So if that sounds like something that you think your listeners would be interested in, I can offer a link for them to access yeah, sure. that guide. Go ahead. So your listeners can access that via a cleanv.com slash good together. And um, all the information that they would need would be right there and all. That's send awesome. That guide. That's no super problem. helpful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, before you go, and I know you didn't quite finish answering the question, um, I also wanted to cover this one important question that's kind of very uh, important for our community. A lot of um, our listeners, as you know, as Gen Z and millennial women, we have listeners as young as uh, high uh, listeners in high school and college students. So affordability is always comes up as a topic that we discuss a lot as a community. Um, so I, I would be curious to know, like, if I, you have been doing all of this uh, for over five years now, I'm curious if you can also touch upon the affordability topic. Like, do you feel like you're saving money with all the tools, uh, the DIY solutions and things like that too? Short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that with that said, you can choose to spend as much as you want to have the fanciest, you know, exactly. most aesthetically pleasing, perfect amber glass spray bottles and beautiful kit that you want in your home. 
And I always say, if that is going to motivate you to keep a clean home, it's kind of like the concept for people when they're exercising. Some people are very motivated by a really fun exercise outfit. And so uh, if that's motivating, then great. And if you can afford it, then great. If not, you absolutely do not need to invest in a ton of fancy, expensive Mm -hmm. products to create a clean home that uh, is also environmentally friendly. So there are a lot of ways that you can repurpose things already in your home for tools specifically. A couple of ideas include, so we mentioned glass spray bottles Mm -hmm. a couple of times. There's a really simple DIY hack that you can use if you are a consumer of apple cider vinegar. I know for a fact that those bottles, they have a twist top lid and they're the perfect size for using for cleaning sprays. So what you can do is if you want, you can remove the label. You don't even have to do that. You can just write on top of it with, um, you know, label it yourself with whatever you're going to put inside of it and then repurpose an existing spray bottle top from another cleaning uh, spray bottle Mm -hmm. that you might already have and affix that to your apple cider vinegar bottle. And now you have a reusable, sturdy glass spray bottle that actually looks nice and is even more environmentally friendly, arguably, than purchasing one brand new. Yeah, that's awesome. I I definitely have an uh, apple cider bottle that I'm just like running towards almost right now. But uh, and yeah, if you do want to take the label off, um, I've seen it like on one of the TikToks um, around uh, from our community, just put it in the water, right? In the warm water and just scratch off uh, gently to to remove the label, right? Yeah. You can do that. I actually would... Cause I do this a lot cause I repurpose mm-hmm. glass bottles for a lot, a lot of reasons in my home um, to make it even a step, take it a step further to make it even easier, have a little bit of coconut oil mm-hmm. and rub that on the exterior of the sticker, you know, get as much as you can off while it's dry, rub it on any sort of glue that's stuck on there. It sort of melts the glue away. And then under some hot water with soap, the rest will scrub right off. You awesome. know, if you let it sit with the coconut oil for half an hour or so first. That's great. Um, all right. So besides the apple cider vinegar bottle, what <laughs> other things uh, we can repurpose? That's one of the things oh, we also, as we discussed, kind of going zero waste, starting on your zero waste journey. That's kind of number one thing to do. Uh, our community have been asking what to do with uh, plastic bottles, um, you know, yogurt containers, any mm-hmm. other ideas for like things we can repurpose into tools? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And it- I also want to say, you know, there's the apple cider option. Mm-hmm. If you have Any. plastic spray mm-hmm. bottles that are still in good shape, yeah, repurpose those too. And don't feel bad about using plastic for a period of time in your home until they're no longer usable. Absolutely. Um, other things that you can repurpose would be, say you have a worn out t-shirt. And this is a very basic example. Worn out t-shirts, worn out sheets. Those are really easy to cut up. You don't have to sew anything and use them as cleaning rags for your dirtiest projects. So for things like cleaning and, you know, cleaning a toilet or something like that, dedicate those to those projects or cleaning the car or cleaning your bicycle. I know my husband, he loves his bicycles. And so I let him have those kinds of cleaning rags for using grease and other, mm-hmm. the, you know, those kinds of ingredients. Um, again, I would say for other tools, instead of repurposing, another option is to lean on your community a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have something that you need, say a vacuum cleaner, 
it's very difficult to create a vacuum cleaner using products you already have in your home. <laughs> but you can lean on your community if you're not in the market to, if you don't have the budget to buy a new one. Uh, there are plenty of resources that I like to use. Um, some favorites include, of course, uh, Facebook Marketplace mm -hmm. is fantastic for purchasing secondhand from other neighbors in your community. Another even less expensive option that I recommend everyone join is called, um, it's also on Facebook and they're called Buy Nothing Groups. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So uh, I'm sure you're familiar with these, but you just search on Facebook for your local Buy Nothing group, join that. And in the group, people will regularly offer free items from their home that they no longer need. It's a great way for you to declutter items from your home as well. But also you can post onto those groups and ask for specific things. So if you needed a vacuum for this example, you can post and say, asking for uh, secondhand vacuums if anyone has one they no longer need. So that's mm -hmm. another option as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's get into uh, in DIY cleaning ingredients and maybe uh, you can share one of your favorite recipes as well. Sure. So as far as ingredients go, to keep it very simple, again, there's the list that you can go to a cleanbee.com slash good together and access all of the list of ingredients, mm -hmm. but I'll list them out verbally here as well. Yeah. So there's vinegar, baking soda, dish soap, hydrogen peroxide, alcohol, I use isopropyl alcohol, and some essential oils. And mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I use to clean almost my entire home, wow. just those ingredients. And a quick recipe, I'll give two for all-purpose cleaners that are very effective and very gentle. The first can be used on almost any surface. And so it includes just two cups of water, about a teaspoon, sometimes less of dish soap, mm -hmm. and then maybe 10 drops of your favorite essential oil. And that's optional, but I like using something like tea tree or eucalyptus. Mm -hmm. They have some, um, great cleaning product or great cleaning properties mm -hmm. and mix that up together. And I will use that to clean the fronts of my kitchen cabinets, the kitchen table, countertops. Sometimes I'll use it for the floors. Um, all kinds of areas and you can clean almost anything in your home with that recipe. Another one that I really, really love is um, another, you could call it an all-purpose cleaner as well, but this one includes vinegar. So I use one part distilled white vinegar and one part water and then maybe 10, 15 drops of essential oil. And I like using lemon essential oil in this especially yeah. because I think it smells just so nice and helps cut the scent of the vinegar, which can be strong. Mm -hmm. And this can be used to clean uh, things like glass and mirrors. It's really good for that. It's also great for cleaning tile or bathroom surfaces. I'll clean my entire toilet with this and sometimes the bathroom floors. The one thing I would warn listeners against when they're using vinegar is it's not great to use on natural stone surfaces. So if you have marble or granite or another sort of natural stone tile maybe in your bathroom just be wary of using vinegar on those because it can wear down the finish that that would I would use the first recipe in those mm -hmm. cases but yeah those are two simple recipes with very simple very inexpensive ingredients thanks so much for listening we'll get back to today's episode in just a second but we wanted to take a break to recognize a few companies that we've partnered with 
Right now, there are thousands of ethical brands out there, which can be confusing and overwhelming. This is why Brightly exists. We are your guide to doing good in the world through conscious consumerism. We personally vet and try products from every single brand that we partner with, both on our podcast and on our platform, Brightly.eco, so that you don't have to do the research yourself. Partnerships like this are what helps Brightly and our community grow and increase our impact. Thank you. Laura, you've probably heard me talk all the time about my love for Sheets and Giggles. I've been sleeping on their new sustainable eucalyptus sheets for the past three months straight. I recommend them a thousand percent. Every week, I wash them and put them back on the bed right away. They're my go-to sheets. All of my other sheets, even the ethical ones, are taking a long break. After hearing you rave about them for so long, I finally got to try their new eucalyptus comforter. I'm a weirdo. I really like having a comforter on my bed all the time, even in the middle of the summer. And I haven't been waking up hot when I've been using this one from Sheets and Giggles. It's a great ethical and sustainable alternative to the down one we used to use that's now sitting on our guest bed. Another thing I love about Sheets and Giggles is that they don't use plastic packaging and their materials don't use pesticides. So they're kind to our animal and insect friends. They also plant a tree for each sheet set that is sold, and they are passionate about giving back. They give 10% off to their customers who donate their old sheets to homeless shelters and have donated over $40,000 to Colorado COVID relief. That's awesome. Good Together listeners get 15% off at checkout by using the code BRIGHTLY at sheetsgiggles.com. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products. From home and personal care to premium pantry staples, all in one place. You can think of them like an ethical alternative to Amazon. We partnered with Public Goods because both Laura and I are obsessed with their high-quality, ethically-made essentials. My favorites are their bamboo paper products, toilet paper, and tissues. We use a lot of them in our family. Yeah, and I'm addicted to their fair trade organic coffee. My husband is also a huge fan of their spicy sesame oil ramen. We've been adding a lot of their goods to our pantry lately. We worked out an exclusive deal just for the Good Together listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That means you can try their items with nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash goodtogether or use code goodtogether at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash goodtogether to receive $15 off your first order. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so again, we will have all of this in show notes, so uh, no worries if you didn't get that entire list. And of course, you uh, will link to uh, Kate's website as well. So let's talk a bit more. We kind of uh, covered this just a little bit, but let's talk a bit more about decluttering. You know, I think step one of any clean home is just getting rid of stuff that you don't need, which I'm terrible at as well. But <laughs> so why is decluttering so important in a sustainable home? And my other questions like what are some of your top products not to buy for your sustainable home or uh, top products not to buy if you uh, are trying to clean your home sure sure I like to think of decluttering as more of a lifestyle than a once and done chore mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think of it as like a, just a big daunting project uh -huh. that you have to do over the course of a weekend I don't necessarily agree with that I like to encourage others to declutter with 
the mentality of using the quote five R's that is a popular phrase in the zero waste community as their guide. And the five R's would include refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, and rot. So when you're asking me what what items you would not include or no longer purchase or refuse bring into your home, mm-hmm. that would fall into the first bucket, which is refuse. And so refusing to purchase any products that are potentially damaging to the environment, to your health, or maybe were produced in ways that don't align with your ethics. Mm-hmm. Even simpler than that, one thing that we can all very much easily start start to refuse today is freebies. So if you have um, gone to, I guess people aren't going to events right now, but if you go anywhere where they're offering some sort of free takeaway, like even just a pen or something that you just don't actually need, say no, thank you. And that's okay. You know, recently I went to, I mentioned I was pregnant. I went to a doctor's appointment and the nurse offered me a packet of um, a bunch of coupons. And it was like in this plastic packaging. And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, no, thank you. I don't need that necessarily, you know, uh, easy to do. So refusing freebies and also just taking a beat before you make a purchase mm-hmm. is another one that's really helpful for me. Yeah. If you, instead of making impulse purchases, it's very easy to do on sites like Amazon that are very popular right now. Uh, put together your shopping list and then give yourself a week, give yourself a month before you actually complete that purchase. And this You'll surprise yourself by how many times those items that you initially put into your cart, by the time a week or two has passed, you realize, I don't actually need that thing. I can take it out of my cart or maybe save it for next month. Exactly. So that's an easy one. Yeah. And especially, we know, uh, the term mindful consumption, that's that's basically all it is. You know, just take time to think if you need it. That's that's being mindful consumer. You don't even have to buy everything eco-friendly, fair trade, clean. Just think if you need it. That's it. And you're already a mindful consumer uh, by definition. So um, what so we talked a bit about refuse. So what about the reduce part of it? Um, You know, our community uh, is particularly uh, me and my myself included in the res- this whole recycling dilemma you know uh, we still yes. no matter yes. how many times we read the articles online we even do the whole episodes about it uh, there's still so much to learn about recycling and of course it's a big part about reducing but what is uh, some other maybe options uh, reducing you know items in your home like donating throwing them away and properly getting rid of them yes such a good point. And I think every, I certainly struggle with this too. Sometimes I think reducing is not only when it comes to recycling, but even just getting rid of stuff that you might feel a little bit emotionally attached to is the most intimidating for people. Um, with that said, it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be done immediately or all at once. But when you are, when you make the decision that you no longer need a thing that is in your home, there are a lot of options for you. You can depending on what the item is, my first stop is, can I repurpose this in my home in a way that I actually need it? Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about that for um, repurposing items for cleaning purposes. You know, we talked about glass jars and old clothes and sheets. Another one that I like to recommend is uh, cardboard boxes or like shoe boxes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Really good for using in uh, drawer organization. So you can see a lot of, I think a lot of Pinterest images, those types of things, people will showcase perfectly organized kitchen and vanity drawers with Mm -hmm. plastic 
separators and containers, you can create just as aesthetically pleasing organization using products that you already have in your home. You don't have to purchase new. So that would be another option for reusing. Um, as far as actually donating items, there are a lot of creative ways that you can do this. We talked about buy nothing groups. I love that option for items that aren't don't make sense to donate to like a charity store, like Goodwill or something like that. So yeah. for example, say you're cleaning out your pantry and you have a number of canned food items that you know you and your family are not going to use, but they're still, they haven't expired. They're still good. One might go to the trash can for those things, but an alternative is to post a picture of those items to your local buy nothing group on Facebook and say, Hey, would anyone want these for their family? You know, here's a bunch of coconut milks that we're never going to drink or use in our cooking. And would anyone else use them? You'd be surprised at how many people would be happy to come pick those up from your doorstep and they get a second life that way. Yeah. Um, otherwise you can of course donate to charitable organizations for things that are still lightly used or in good shape. And then lastly, if something is truly broken and it is not something that another person would get value from, and it's not easy to recycle, throw it away and take a mental note of whatever that item was and commit to yourself. You have to replace it to try your best to replace it with a better quality version that might last longer or don't replace it at all. And then forgive yourself at the end of the day yeah. for having to throw something in the trash can. So those are my, that's my philosophy when it comes to decluttering. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We recently, I don't know which art belongs to, but we recently, uh, our blender broke. And of course it was just like one tiny part of it. So uh, we found online, um, the replacement part and of course it didn't uh, and didn't fit into it unfortunately so we had to buy a completely new blender which completely sucks but again this is the system that we kind of uh, are living in right uh, the companies that are making the blenders they don't tend to sell this separate blender part and it's, uh, and it's really really wasteful um, but um, yeah I mean I gave it a try <laughs> I failed yeah, it and, that's such a great example yeah unfortunately the perfect example yeah. Yeah, we do our best. And when we fall a little bit short of our goals, that's okay. And we just continue on. Exactly. So, uh, so you mentioned you already have um, one son, right? And um, another uh, son or daughter is on the way. Another son. Awesome. Well, you'll have a lot of fun with two boys. <laughs> so why yeah. all of these issues that we've been talking about, specifically around toxicity, why this becomes even more important once you start having little ones around? Maybe, um, you know, feel free to dig into the topic more, some specific products or rooms we have to be especially aware when, you know, we start having little ones around. Sure, sure. And again, I'm going to caveat the answer to this a little bit by saying that, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not a toxicity expert. Yeah. I'm also not a child healthcare expert. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I do like researching this, these topics. So one thing that does pop up a lot when you are researching toxicity um, concerns in young children is lead poisoning. Mm -hmm. And so this is mostly going to be affecting inside of the home for people who have lead-based paint in their homes still. And that was a type of paint that was used in a lot of U.S. homes until the late 1970s when the government finally banned the manufacturing of ped, uh, paint containing lead. So that's one thing to be wary of if that 
is the case for you, I would recommend hiring um, or speaking with an expert on how to remedy that in your home. So that would be number one. I know a lot of new moms or expecting moms also are very excited uh, about uh, decorating their nurseries and, you know, getting all of the cute, cute accessories and cute furniture and painting and all of those things. A couple of things that I found helpful as like my guideline when I was doing that for my first son is, first of all, when it comes to paint, choose paints that are uh, no VOC or no volatile organic compounds. Mm -hmm. It's a bit safer when it comes to off-gassing in the room. And of course, do your best to air it out as much as you possibly can before the baby's going to start sleeping in there. Um, Do you have favorite brands? I remember uh, once I did like, uh, I painted uh, my rooms. I I remember ending up choosing, ending up choosing, what was it? Benjamin Moore. Uh, And I think they have an, Oh, like eco line, right? But is it like as a brand, are they like the best in terms of toxicity free paints? I wish I could tell you. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So I know that Benjamin Moore has options and I believe that they're good ones. Uh, we have Benjamin Moore paint in our house and I mm-hmm. like it very much, but I have no experience with other brands. So I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the little research I've done, like literally more than five years ago, if you think about that, uh, it led me to Benjamin Moore and I was very happy with that. It's not an ad for Benjamin Moore, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, especially if you have walls, I mean, that's like not uh, not necessarily baby related, but if you have walls that have defects, like buying a high quality paint really makes it huge difference um that also is a bonus of course (laughs) for sure and then you can take that even further when we're talking about vocs a lot of the um, vocs that can also be dangerous like respiratory health and other things Mm -hmm. uh come in the form of furniture so you're buying a crib and you're buying a crib mattress and you're buying all of these things and of course now which is great some manufacturers are creating furniture that have better for you materials and ingredients and things like this but those can be expensive so if we're talking about things that are more accessible to people who maybe don't have a budget for very expensive you know fancy non-toxic versions of a crib for instance what I did is I just found on Facebook marketplace a crib that was still under um uh, what's the word I'm pregnant so words escape me warranty not warranty but um it was still safe, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, for up to a certain number of years. They still like backed it. And um, I ended up splurging a little bit on a nicer mattress that I felt comfortable with. So there are options, and that had already off-gassed because it was used by another family. It was still in great shape, and I got a really good uh, amount of savings off of it. Um, so those are options, too, when you are uh, preparing for young children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. And if, I know it's, a, it's such a loaded topic. It's, we can do a whole episode on that, but oh, sure. that was a great <laughs> primer. At least we know where to start thinking about that. So yeah. uh, we're actually coming to a close to the end of the episodes, and we always love to ask our guests kind of three last questions. Um, so question number one is, uh, can you share with us one or two actionable tips, which I know you already shared so many awesome tips with us on living ethically, like really simple. It doesn't even have to uh, have to do with cleaning specifically. Maybe some of the most things that you've found to be the most practical and easy to implement in your everyday lifestyle. Sure. Okay. I would say the two I would recommend, very simple and 
not specific to cleaning necessarily. One would be, we mentioned earlier, pause before you buy. And the second follow-up would be pause before you judge. So if you're on <laughs> this journey one. towards uh, a more sustainable lifestyle, I think it's easy for people to get very excited and then also very disappointed with others who might not be on the same journey or at the same point in their journey as you are. So we all just pause before we make purchases and make sure that it's something that we need. And then even if it is, is this the best version of the thing that we can buy? And then pause before you judge others for purchasing something that maybe wouldn't align with your ethics. Absolutely. Yeah. Because kind of everybody has their own values, their own ethics. Um, you know, some people are completely different stages of their sustainability journey. That's kind of, uh, I think we've discussed it with you before. That's kind of our motto at Brightly. You know, this is a judge-free, guilt-free zone. Um, and yeah, a lot of our scouts, our community members, ambassadors, this is one of the most kind of popular uh, question uh, that they ask us, how to talk to your friends, families, and communities at large about sustainability if they're not into it right, right. and uh, the the number one tip is actually don't judge that's the first that's the first step and then uh you guys can find on our website um one of our uh, scouts actually wrote an article with her favorite tips on kind of how to start this conversation but this is it's a great one reminder for all of us um so next question is like uh is about ethical brands your favorite ethical brands or product and um tell us why you love it again it can be a cleaning one or it can be just an, a general um eco-friendly product that you really love mm -hmm. um so you know i would recommend and this is cleaning related uh dr bronner's products they offer yes. two products that i like using a lot uh the first is castile soap yeah. and the second would be their sal suds. And the reason I recommend both is because if you are cleaning with these products, they're they're both very akin to dish soap replacements. They're a bit more sudsy, I would say, and a lot more concentrated, which is fantastic because they can be diluted with water and that it will extend the lifetime of their use. But um, sal suds can be combined with vinegar in recipes. Castile soap should not be. Mm. So those would be my two. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I'm a huge fan of their Castile soap. I'm curious, um, what is your favorite use for that? Because I think they're listing 10 or 20 or 100, however many uses for Castile soap. Uh, that oh my gosh. What is your favorite use? Because I'm just obviously just using it as a shower gel, but you can wash with it. What's your favorite one? Oh, yeah. There are, I mean, gosh, there are endless uses for both of these products for Castile soap. Yes. It's fantastic for washing with, for washing hands. Um, I like it for, uh, I will use it in that all purpose cleaner recipe that I mentioned mm, that's great. works really well. And anywhere where you are using dish soap in any sort of cleaning recipe, it can be a substitute for that. That's awesome. That's good to know. Well, last question. It's our favorite one. Uh, what excites you the most about the ethical and sustainable movement right now? And again, it can be anything and everything in this uh, huge reel. Well, let's see. I think the thing that excites me the most is probably the momentum that we're seeing. And it's a slow build, but it's still a build. And it, the whole thing is a game of demand, right? So I think what excites me is seeing new and existing brands that are starting to understand the demand for better mm -hmm. quality, better ingredients, better working conditions for those manufacturing our products and more. 
it kind of reminds me of the time when organic produce was first becoming popular. If you can remember when, you know, 15 years ago or something like that, <laughs> when we first saw it, it was carried in farmer's markets and natural food stores or when we first saw it marketed anyway, and then a small selection in mass market grocery stores. And now there's a, you know, it's a pretty substantial selection in Walmart, which is the largest U.S. grocery market. So in the spirit of consumers buying less but higher quality versions of household items, I am hopeful that mass market retailers will pay more closely or pay more close attention to ingredients and materials and the products that they offer, as well as shipping and packaging materials, all with the goal of doing a better job of protecting and preserving the limited resources of our environment. Yeah, that's a great one. Absolutely. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Walmart, Target, uh, we do a lot of TikToks about um, these places, which, you know, not not uh, definitely not 100% sustainable by far, maybe 1%, it would be a great one for them. But, you know, um, we talk a lot about accessibility of sustainability, right? Uh, When consumers, no matter uh, where they live in the U.S. or the world, however they can get to the sustainable options, this this makes a huge difference. Um, And, yeah, the more consumers can get access to sustainable options, the bigger the impact will be. Um, So that's a great one. Well, Kate, again, thank you so much for um, being on the podcast, sharing all of this extremely, extremely practical and helpful tips uh, i know i will be cleaning my house maybe even this weekend i love uh, i love all of your tips they you know you of course you make it sound so easy but I, again they they do sound so easy and accessible to everyone uh all of the kate's recipes that she've mentioned on the podcast will be in our show notes and of course we'll link to kate's uh website at cleanb.com as well thank you again thank you so much for having me yeah Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.